Charisma Quotient. I'm your host, Kim Seltzer, a dating and makeover expert, where I will help you build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. It was six months after my divorce. The doorbell rang. I slowly opened the door and saw this gorgeous five by seven voluptuous woman with piercing blue eyes, long straight blonde hair that reached her hips, wearing a tight, colorful button down shirt, fitted jeans that hugged her perfect figure, and of course, three inch heels. And the fragrance of vanilla and lavender knocked me over as she walked through the door. It was Laura. I've talked about her before, but she was my first single mom friend. She was a veteran who had been in the dating battleground for over five years at that point when I met her. And as she greeted me with this warm hug and a comforting smile, I glanced in the hallway mirror at my frumpy silhouette draped in an old black maternity shirt, I kid you not, sweatpants and flip-flops. And we were supposed to go out that night. And so I was horrified seeing the reflection in the mirror. And I quickly excused myself as I ran into the bathroom and sprayed some, I, I, kid you, I swear to God this happened, some air freshener on my body. I thought, okay, was this what she used? No, I don't think so. Because now I reeked of cool Rocky Springs and mint. It was this extreme contrast with what Laura was doing and what I was lacking that made me suddenly realize that I had a lot of work to do on myself, especially if I wanted to get out of my frumpy persona and into a sexy, dateable one. And at that time, I never would have used the word sexy to describe me. I mean, it wasn't even in my vocabulary at that point. Feeling secure when it comes to dating after divorce is easier said than done, especially when it has been a while. And then, of course, as you all have heard by now, hopefully, and if you haven't, you got to listen to my first episode, I had my red dress incorporating sexier clothes in my wardrobe. So that was like the first step. So I had my costume and I even went trick-or-treating in the costume quite often. And I was collecting a ton of candy and ringing a lot of doorbells. But here's the thing. I still hadn't tasted that candy. I was so scared at that point. I really felt awkward. I was like this teenager in an awkward body and especially thinking about taking the costume off because at that point, it almost became a crutch. And then it happened. The first time I kissed a boy after divorce. And I remember feeling so strange, like that little girl being kissed for the first time. So you see when you haven't dated after being in a long-term relationship, and you don't even have to be married to relate to this episode, but you know, it's hard to regain that sexy confidence. But if you have been married and on top of it, you have kids to deal with, you know, feeling like a sexy mom on top of it was even more devastating for me. And I can't think of anyone better to bring on the show today to have just some girl talk about this. And she puts it, I love, she has this phrase from devastated to delicious after 
She is an intimacy expert who inspires open-hearted, unapologetic, living with delicious sass. Okay, even that sentence is sexy because she is super sexy. Um, Her inspiring vulnerability and courage has landed her a featured weekly column on Good Men Project, featured as an icon of influence and as a guest expert on CBS, TLC, Fox, Forbes, People Magazine, Huffington Post, now the Charisma Quotient. And she is the author of four books and hosts the Empowering Podcast, which is amazing, by the way. Intimate Conversations. I had the pleasure of being on it recently. She's had guests like Alanis Morissette. How cool is that? And she was also asked by Lisa Gibbons to coach her during Dancing of the Stars. I, I got to see that. With close to 4 million viewers on YouTube, and she is the go-to authority when struggling to trust again after a harsh breakup. So followers can create a hot thriving intimate relationship welcome alana pratt oh my god i'm glad you muted me because i was cracking up as you were like reading your story oh my right? god well, you are like my sister that's why i had to bring you on to talk about like did you totally relate to that story completely completely and i'm even remembering the date now my son is 15 and back when he was around Oh, maybe like six or seven. I was trying so hard to empower myself that right. my, my license plate was sexy mom. And I'm like, yeah, I can own this. And um, now at 15, he's like, I was mortified. You pulled into Waldorf every day and everyone like shamed me that your mom is this crazy person. So like there's, there, there were times when I was, I guess, trying too hard. To, right. And there was times that I hid. And then eventually I found my center. And not that we ever, that it's a static thing. Like I'm always always growing, always evolving. Um, there's always a new edge, but, um, right. but yeah, I, I wobbled. I wobbled a fair amount. <laughs> Wait, so did you do the walk of shame too? Like, did you do that a couple nights? Oh, um, you know, I, I don't think I had the courage to actually go out as much as you did. So oh. I, I, there was no walk of shame possible. I would, um, all I would do is go to these like uh, personal growth workshops always, uh-huh. you know, so I could be a better coach and learn this and learn that. So I would only date people that saw my true self in this spiritual conscious environment. Like I wouldn't even uh-huh. go outside that realm. I didn't have the courage. Um, unlike you, after the divorce, there was that long, you know, 12 year custody battle. So right. the, the, the threats never ended. The psychic attacks never ended. The police officers mm-hmm. knocking on the door at nine 30 at night, serving me with papers that just oh. kept going for like 12 fucking years. So I didn't have courage. I, I, I think I, you know, we've known each other quite some time, but didn't yeah. you notice that Alana stopped speaking, stopped showing up at the homie hookup going out? Like I just didn't show up. Mm-hmm. I just hid behind my computer, keeping it together, somehow trying to pay off the quarter of a million in legal debt, serve my clients and use my vibrator from time to time. Like, I, just, <laughs> I mean, that was basically it. <laughs> right, right, right. Oh my God. Well, and it's amazing to me because if anyone, you know, sees you now and I mean, you're all over the place and you're just dropped a gorgeous and I think Aww. you're so super sexy. It's just amazing Aww. to hear that you were there. So I like, I would love to just talk because I know you and I can share some secrets of like, how, how did you get out of that? 
into like your more sexy femme. And cause I'm sure that's what you help people today too. With. Totally, totally and completely. So there's probably like two main things I did. Uh, first was I was so scared of the masculine, so betrayed, so mm-hmm. consistently being attacked. I just didn't have it in me to get out and date until I did. And so my first step was to fall in love with the divine masculine. So like energy. And I would have these like guided visualizations when I would masturbate of this man made of light and there was no face. It was just energy. And I started practicing opening to a a healthy masculine. I would practice with nature. I would go outside and, and the garden would be beautiful and I could cognitively analyze. Yes, that's a very beautiful garden. But like I would go literally to like Huntington Gardens and I would sit there and I'd be like, I'm going to let in 10% of the beauty, like the the energy of it. Okay, here I go. I'm going to let in 25% of the beauty to penetrate my heart. And like, Mm. this sounds so dorky, but like, this is the slow baby steps after the traumas that I went through that I had to take to let energy in. And then it started to flow into, I could let a compliment in. I could let a man's gaze in. And then over time, I could actually get out and be brave like you and put on my my version of the red dress. And, and out I went on a date. So it started very sacred. Mm. It started very heart-based, very energy-based, very nature-based, um, and just sort of soothing this wounded damsel in distress that had been through this crazy adventure of, of court. Yeah. So, Wait, I want to... Actually, I want to talk about that because that's really important. And it's something I haven't really talked much about it, you know, in terms of like really falling in love with that divine masculine. That's interesting because I think especially when you have been in a relationship that's been really toxic and, you know, or abusive or whatever, you know, journey people have had, you can get a really bad taste in your mouth. Uh, you know, when it comes to men. And I've seen this a lot with my clients, you know, there are no good men out there. And, you know, it almost becomes that. And so I love that you said that. Yeah. It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy that, you know, if there's no good men out there and so it is right. That's right. So I had to one practice with my visualizations and energy and nature, but I also went inside the way I, I'm a dork. (laughs) I love talking like quantum (laughs) physics and interviewing, you know, scientists and this kind of thing. I want to see if what I do intuitively coaching has a scientific factual basis in the quantum field. Like, I don't know why mm-hmm. that's just really important to me. So if, if I'm looking for this relationship with the divine masculine, but inside my heart, my little wounded queen is not even in communion with my internal King, how the shit am I supposed to have that on the outside? If I don't have that on the inside. Mm-hmm. So I know the core unit of matter you know, a proton, infinitely inward, infinitely outward. That's like how we're wired. So I did a lot of work on the inside. So masculine, you've been, you know, fighting for a long time, this, this horrible guy. I, I, I miss you. Um, mm-hmm. I, I need a hug and I need some time with you. So you put down the sword. Yeah. And, uh-huh. and I use these sacred mm-hmm. masturbation, self-pleasuring visualization moments to find union within the masculine within myself. Why did you let him hurt us? How did you let him take away this? And like, I had these real raw conversations with myself, my Mm -hmm. masculine and feminine chit-chatting until they kind of forgave each other. They saw that each of them had their own wounds that they're willing to heal, that they always did their best. And like, okay, so are we, are we going to be a team? Are are we in this together? And and then when I could find that internal, like a yin yang symbol, like, ah, okay, somehow that 
felt like I had confidence and I had my own back. That was like the masculine. And the feminine was like, okay, I can open up. I can be delighted. I can be juicy. I can play because you got my back now. And so when I showed up in the world, I was different. I was balanced. I was more healed. And then thus I could be more alluring and delicious. And that hand that was stretched out in the past, like, um, pay attention to me, but stay away. <laughs> that hand, right. that energetic hand, it went, it came down and I stopped wow. attracting emotionally unavailable men. I, I had this like trail of like dating people that do you live outside the country? Perfect. Let's date. You know, do you, do you right. live really far away? <laughs> so, but here's the thing about that. I want to interject for a second because sometimes that's a good thing. And, and, and what I mean by that, especially because going back to the whole like dating after divorce, I mean, no one is really ready for a relationship. So sometimes practicing with unavailable people, like people <laughs> who, you know, are away or not really like present or physically available is perfect. It's like just what the doctor ordered, because at that point, then you can do some of this stuff, this work that you've been describing. I think yeah. sometimes people are, you know, oh my God, I have to find the available men now. And they put so much pressure into the relationship yeah. right after that, that it just backfires. Yeah. But, you know, the other thing I wanted to mention as you were describing, you know, it almost sounds like you use a lot of visualization, which is so powerful. And obviously so much research is done by that. But what would you say to people who aren't very good at that? Because I mean, I'm just going to throw myself under the, I am, I am not that like woo woo, just to be honest, like I'd rather put on a red dress than to visualize that. So like what, what kind of tips do you have to help people get into that state, you know, where you can really like, whether it's meditation or really have that visual stuff, because it's a really great tip. Well, yeah. So thank you. Okay. So first, just a little bit what we just said. Um, I think that having an emotionally unavailable partners as a, as a phase is good. Yeah. I just want yeah. people to be aware. It's a really easy rut to fall into because it's true. Safe. You don't have to be vulnerable. You don't have to be transparent. You don't have to be intimate or honest. You just get together, have a great time, have some sex and he leaves, which is okay for a period of time, but please be, be aware that's a step on the way home to a really healthy relationship. It isn't a healthy relationship because he is a mirror of your emotional unavailability to yourself. So and true. We yes. really want to own that. So good so yes. to clarify that. Yeah. Because I mean, I think what we're talking about is like, like you said, a phase, you know, especially yeah. like how do you feel sexy right after that divorce? And maybe, yeah, yeah. maybe that, yeah, unavailable. Is so is good practice. You know, like <laughs> yes. I had, I had my um, younger uh, musician to practice on. It was perfect. And he was so oh. not available, even though he thought he was, I knew he wasn't. Um, and it was perfect. Ooh, that's hot. I practiced. That is so hot. Yeah. Oh, it was so hot. And I finally got like my sexy back. Like it yeah. was really like powerful for me. But anyway, okay. So I no, digress. No, that's awesome. That's super yeah. awesome. So for people that are not as visual as I am, I want everyone to understand that when the brain registers and experience. It actually does register it on four elements. So it does the image, mm. it does the thought, it does the emotion, and it does the body sensation. And one of the reasons people complain that therapy never worked, but my coaching does, as I'm sure yours does too, Kim, is that we're operating not just on that one level of talk, 
talk therapy only goes one out of four elements. And so this traumatic experience or the pain of the past or the letting go of the guilt or whatever it is, if you're only going to talk about it, you're only going to get relief. You're not going to get lasting change and healing. So it is, even if you aren't so visual, visual, important to do your best just to add that one little element of an image. You don't have to do the whole full-blown movie and all the rest of it. Right. If you don't don't add an image, if you don't let yourself feel, and if you don't let your body in on the program with body sensations, you're only going to get relief. And here's the horrible thing about that is that you didn't really grow. You just put like sprinkles on top of the ice cream cone of shit with a really good attitude, but you as a frequency, you as a being didn't grow, didn't change, didn't evolve. So guess who you're going to attract again? Yep. Your ex. Mm-hmm. So it's so important to be able to cultivate all these different um, dimensions. So another way that, so that was one thing I did. The other thing I wanted to mention was pole dancing. <laughs> oh my God. I recommend that to all my clients. Yes. Right? Yes. yes. And so for me, I interviewed Sheila Kelly on my um, intimate conversations that yes, you have been a delicious guest on. Thank you. Um, And I had at this point not told my listeners, uh, my newsletter, et cetera, that I used to be a showgirl back in Japan in my early twenties. You did? Uh, Oh, you don't know either? Well, here we go. Yes. Oh my God. Another secret that is- Oh my God. Yes. This here on the Christmas right? right? <laughs> yes. So back when I was 20, I, I, I moved to Tokyo to be in a show and the very first show just had like G-strings and fishnets. And even that was like, oh my God, I've never done that. People are seeing my ass. But um, I was all naughty and nobody knew and whatever. I was in Japan. Well, the next show, the one that paid me twice as much, the one at the Four Seasons Hotel, the really, really nice show. Yeah. There was no top to the costumes. And I got there and I'm looking around and the Australian girls aren't blinking an eye. The French girls aren't blinking an eye. Everybody's getting dressed with no top for this beautiful show in this five-star hotel. Um, and I'm just like, okay, just, just go with it. Just, just go with it. And so I was like shaking, Kim. I was shaking. I'm like, you are bad. You are wrong. You are dirty. You are slow. I was like, oh, judging myself. And the guys on my side of the stage looked at me like a, hey, tall drink of water, like slimy, gross, disgusting. I went home, I cried all night. But you know me, I'm a good girl. So I went back, had to keep my word, had to keep do the job. I got back and I said, and I'm like, okay, well, they're having a good old time. Let's just look over there and see what's going on. And all the guys on their side of the stage would like sit up like little boy scouts and bow. And they were like different guys on their side of the stage. And I knew enough to know that it was me, not the different guys. I'm like, what am I doing? Who am I being that's different than them? And I started to watch them and they held themselves in this way, not only that they own their sexuality, they owned their divinity. It's almost like they walked on the stage and they're like, yes, I am a goddess. Thank you for noticing. You may shower me with praise. Yes. Like they had this total confidence that they are this like literal embodiment of the goddess herself. And I'm like, okay, I can do this. I can do this. So I went out on stage the second day and I breathed in the slimy gaze of these gentlemen. I affirmed inside of my heart, my being, I am a goddess. And I exuded and expanded this energy out, even out of my eyelashes, out of my nipples, out of like (laughs) my fingernails. Like I just like, I am a goddess. And lo and behold, the men on my side of the stage sat up like little boy scouts and started bowing to me. And I'm like, Oh my God, you did it. Yeah. So I learned this by happenstance, obviously, Mm -hmm. but I learned that ancient practice that, you know, Thit Nhat Hanh talks about, you know, Mm -hmm. Tibetans talk about Tonglen where the monks sit and they breathe in the pain and suffering of the world. 
And it's in their being of pure love and they exhale out love and compassion. This is a 3,000, 4,000 year old practice that I happenstanced onto on a stage in Japan. Wow. And so why I say all of that is when I went into this pole dancing, when Sheila Kelly said, you got to get yourself into class so we can heal some of this shame and this fear. Mm-hmm. I didn't go in to do the bounce, like a bounce, bounce, look at me, I'm so sexy thing. Like that was right. part of it, but that's only one of so many flavors of the feminine that I came home to. The sacredness, the dorkiness, the, the, the fun and flowing innocence, the, 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 maybe the, the one who wants to hide with a, a hoodie over her head or the one that wants to wear thigh high black boots and stomp around and be a bitch. Like all these dangerous aspects of myself that were hidden. I didn't know how to express. I am learned to embody all these flavors of the feminine in my pole dancing class. And so that really tapped into the emotions, tapped into the body sensations. I could think thoughts like I am a badass or like don't fuck with me or, or I could be playful and goofy and giddy with the other girls and be supported by sisterhood. And in the, and I had all these new images of what it was like to, in my posture, to be in my power. And it was like a, maybe a seven year journey, Kim, of dancing that really was my church. It was my church. It got me through my court battle. That is a great way. I, this is, it's so funny that you are talking about this because I had a conversation with one of my best friends and she really got into pole dancing after her divorce. She had a sexless marriage and it was something like what you were saying. It's in it. What it fascinates me about pole dancing is that it really isn't about the man. It is, it's not dancing for the man. It's, it's, it's about you and the sensuality that you body. And another thing that's so powerful, and and it's actually very similar to what I teach, but in a more like, you know, kind of practical sense when it comes to flirting is using body language and your body to change your attitude, to change your perspective and to change your approach. And it's so powerful because besides the visual aspect that you were talking about going inward there, like you said, there's so much like, you know, evidence and scientific proof that the physiology of the body, when you act as if you will become. Yeah. And so that is a perfect tip. And, and, if you're a woman listening to this, it's a great thing to do right before a date, by the way, you know, crank on the music, put the thigh highs on, even if you don't have a pole, for God's sakes, you can pretend and just get embody it because when yeah. you walk into that date or like a social event, you are going to have that sexy energy. Yeah, this is making me crack up because um, Jose comes on Thursday mornings to do the gardening around my property. Oh, Jose. And, uh, <laughs> and I, I like to do my little hip circles at the coffee maker cabinet uh-huh. kind of area. And I'm doing my stretching. And then sometimes I look and I'm like, oh, and good morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, hello, Jose. <laughs> sometimes checks me out in my little circle. I mean, I don't have a pole in this house, but I do still um, put my hands on the counter and do nice like slow hip circles. Oh my God, it feels so good. And even when I'm lying down on my little yoga mat doing my like Mm. butt lifts, you Mm -hmm. could just lift your butt up and down. Fine, fine. But do do them in circles. 
You know, get into the circular fluidity and flow of being a woman and notice how that affects your posture. It affects your inviting, alluring, flirtatious energy. And it really, excuse me, makes you feel full from the inside out first rather than the old version of flirting from empty, seeking approval and attention. Totally different experience. Oh, good distinction. Really good distinction. And you know, another thing that I find along that lines, and, and as you're listening, I want you to think about this too and how we use sex because there's also a little caveat here as as much as it's important to get into your sexuality and have those experiences, especially after divorce to gain that sex. I find that sometimes women take it to an extreme. I don't know if you see this where then the they're using sex to feel Mm. quote unquote feel. And what I see this kind of high correlation of women who use sex a lot to have intimacy, lack the ability to express themselves emotionally. And so it's really interesting, like as I take a, you know, and this is the therapist in me, just taking a history with people that there's usually like a history of having difficulties expressing your feelings. So sex is used to feel. And so I think, you know, as we're talking about this, I wanted to just like almost put a caveat on there that, you know, again, we're talking about extremes here. This is just, you know, when you get into your sexy and use it, it's all about balance, right? Like what, what is it that you're doing that can make you feel amazing and wonderful, but when it ever, like it goes too far and you feel like that's all you can do, or it, you don't do it at all. Right. And you're sitting on your couch in your cocoon. That's Mm -hmm. not good either. So Right. It's about, you know, kind of in between. So um, I have a question and this is just as a single mom to single mom. Uh What helped you let go of being like, you know, feeling like the mom? Because I, you know, here's the thing, like there's something about being a mom and then also feeling sexy. There's a little like guilt factor. (laughs) that goes at least it was for me and I wondered if you had that and like do you have any tips around that if you're a single mom I don't I never really experienced the guilt thing I remember it was no it was very soon into being um my son was only like an infant like barely a year old when we got a divorce and I remember the very first time that he went over to his dad's for the week my breasts were still like had milk in them like it was awful. And I remember making a very, very clear distinction and a clear choice moment. Are you going to be a victim, miss him and feel guilty and pine and, and be afraid of what's happening to him for a whole week, be completely depleted, empty and cranky and bitchy, and then see him on Monday. Or are you going to fill yourself the fuck up and be good to yourself and honor yourself and, and have good people around you so that when he gets back, you are full and overflowing and present. And it was a big, bold choice moment. Not that I was perfect at it, but it was, but choice trumps all, right? So that was my choice right out of the gate. So I refuse to feel guilty. I refuse. Guilt is the lowest vibration on the Hawkins scale of consciousness. I I refuse. And if, if guilt comes up, process it, but I would never wallow in it. So I had to proactively Mm. take care of myself. I started a mom's group. You know, I was working. I was, that was the time when I was coaching Lisa with dancing with the stars. So I was showing up in the world. I just made sure that I was full so I could be patient and playful. 
So I sort of kicked ass one week of the, of the, and then the next week I was, I was open. I was mum. And here's the interesting result. I felt like a MILF. <laughs> ah, <laughs> I really did. Like great. he would come over and it was not time for dinner. It was time for dinner in the driveway. And I'd put the music on and we'd put the blanket out and the pillows and we'd get the matching game and we'd have dinner in the driveway and we'd say hi to the neighbors. Like I had all this creative energy to go, okay, we're painting our bodies who cares about painting the piece of paper? Come on, we're painting our bodies. We're going in the backyard. Cirque du Soleil, like crazy people in the backyard. Like I was on fire as a creative being, feeling sexy and and not sexy like bounce chicka bounce bounce sexy, like free, right. unapologetic, transparent, alive, goofy, dorky, that kind of sexy. Because I think this is also kind of ties back to what you just said about the sexy and it's the only place you let yourself feel. It's sort of like the only place you let yourself feed but yeah. there's so much more sexual energy than yeah. just the bedroom. It's tender. It's healing. It's creative. It's dorky. It's bold. It's all these different energies is life force, sacred sexual energy. So I just let myself have it. Um, we did photo shoots. We invited the friends over. The other mothers were aghast that I was painting bodies and running around in the backyard. Oh, that's so great. Well, and I think just the support of other women and being around other moms and and, and giving each other permission that, mm. yeah, you can be that MILF. I love that. Like the permission piece. And then also I, for me, what I did, like it was almost like um, compartmentalizing different parts of my life and, you know, like, and, and allowing myself to be that. And, and again, I use that costume metaphor, like, you know, so I put on the MILF costume when I went out and had fun and wanted to be that sexy girl, you know, and when I was mom, I was mom. And, you know, but I think one of the things you're saying is so true is like, you should never stop feeling sexy. You know, that that's an energy, that divine femininity that you talk about is just so yeah. beautiful to have all the time. Oh my God. Okay. So I could go on like, you have to come back. Like, we'll just have to keep going with this conversation at some point. Um, but I want to recap all of your tips because they were really awesome. Um, and I, I was like writing vigorously as you were talking oh, so that everybody can really like capture this. So, I mean, the first thing you said is to really fall in love with the divine masculine, you know, and that is so great letting go of maybe some of the hatred or the toxicity that you experienced from your previous relationships. Um, and the second thing is going inward, you know, mm. using that visualization. You, and I love that scientific kind of approach that you have and, um, and going over and just, even if it's just a small image, it doesn't have to be this big, you know, mm. thing yeah. that everyone mm. talks about. That, that I know helped me too. think about that. And then, of course, using your body, whether it's pole dancing or dancing around and really embodying it. And finally, yeah. the flow of femininity. I love, love, love that. So, mm. oh my God, thank you so much for coming on. This was great. Do you have any last tips or, um, you know, tell everyone where they can find you too? Oh, thank you. Yeah. So my site is alannapratt.com. There's two L's. So A-L-L-A-N-A-P-R-A-T-T.com. Please check out my YouTube channel. I do videos all the time. I love to answer your questions. Um, so yes, come into my world and let me love on you. And the last thing is just sort of tying into the last thing you said about we don't really have to compartmentalize when we see that sexual energy is sacred life force energy, the same energy that, you know, blossoms a flower 
or births a star. That's what breathes us. And so we need not maybe wear the thigh high boots to the playground, but we need. <laughs> Although that might be oh, interesting. You could. <laughs> um, just that there is a, there's a playful, a healing, a tender, a creative, a bold, all these energies of your femininity are all sacred sexual energy. So you never need to turn it off, which means you never need to get exhausted. You can always tap into that radiance. And of course you can turn it up when it's appropriate as well. Um, but just give yourself the, your birthright of letting that energy really be vibrant and alive in you and notice how that affects the, the positiveness of your dating experiences and your lovemaking experiences and just life in general. And thank you for having me on. I love you. Mwah. Oh my God. Mwah. Big hug and kiss to you. And again, this has been the Charisma Quotient. I'm your host, Kim Seltzer. And remember, you can build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. And make sure that you go to my site, seltzerstyle.com, for lots of juicy stuff, including I'm excited to announce my new Love Makeover Boot Camp. Woohoo! And we can definitely practice some of the sexy stuff while you're there at a four day luxury retreat in Florida. Florida. For you East Coasters, yes, I hear you. I am heading East. So come join me. And then with that, you get a group coaching course so that you can keep it all going. So if you really want to transform your love life, check it out and click the link you see below in the show description and get more information, schedule a call with me, and we'll talk. Until then, stay tuned until next week with more tips on how to feel and look fabulous every day. 